0: Sit I just want to highlight my man, Paul Enderberg over here. With the blue guitar. Look at the cool blue guitar. That's C3 blue, by the way. Maybe put a logo on there or something. But uh, you're such a faithful guy, man. Th- this guy serves three or four times every week on the stage. And he doesn't just give it, like, 50%. Like, he's going for it in praise and worship. And I love watching you. You're an inspiring human being. And... Uh, God just wanted me to declare over you promotion, that promotion is coming. I'm not sure if you're still with Wells Fargo or wherever, wherever you're working, but promotion is coming your way to the Andenbergs in Jesus' name. We declare it under the anointing of God. Love you and your beautiful wife. You guys are awesome. Well, let's give the worship band a hand too. They, they just did a good job. You can be seated. Give your neighbor a high five. The prophetic is a powerful thing, and um, it doesn't have to be this long, drawn-out statement. Uh, sometimes you just need to declare. Sometimes you just need to declare. There's two parts of the prophetic. You're basically uh, speaking about what's to come, but then also, if you don't release the word, releasing the word is what allows that thing to come. So if you if you have a word for somebody and you don't say it, then, then whatever your word is for that person may not come to pass, or God will use somebody else to say it. So it's, it's in the declaration that breaks the rocks in Jeremiah, it says. The word of God breaks things, breaks things open, allows things to, to happen. So sometimes you just need to declare something, um, even if it's really simple. And uh, Jeff Forbes, I knew you were a smart man, but I didn't know you were that smart because you listened to your wife just like I did. Because when I got married, my wife said, before we get married, you're tithing. And I was like, easy, easy choice. When I looked at her, I'm like, done. 10%, that's it? To get that? Okay, let's go. See, three men always marry up because we give. That's it. That's it. (laughs) We we are giving people, so, you know, all of our wives, you know, overachieving. Jeff, you're no different. (laughs) You've overachieved, sir. (laughs) great job though man what a what a message what a message he has an incredible testimony you too can become a jeff forbes if you go to emerge Ladies and gentlemen, but today we're in a Relationomics series and uh, we've been talking about like some crazy stuff. If you were here the last couple of weeks, you heard my wife and you heard Pastor Leanne. They're talking about some fights, Pastor Juergen, um, talking about some touchy subjects within relationships. Today I want to take it a little bit different direction and I want to talk about the relationship between the church and the world and what that looks like. What is our job? What is our role? What is the church to look like uh, as compared to the world? What is the perspective that the world has on us, and what should they have. Uh, in short, the church should be influencing, not being the influence We should be the influencer. In the marketplace, which I am fond of, I'm fond of marketplace and marketplace people, um, when companies or people innovate, when they invent something, be it a product, a service, or a process, um, or whether they improve a product, service, or process, in a specific industry, it's called Disruption. It's called, uh, essentially means that they've disrupted an industry, they've, they've changed things. It means that they've taken a new approach, perhaps to an old idea, or a completely new idea in a specific space. And the results can change everything. The results can change an industry. And I want to give you an example of that. In, uh, in 2008, there was a guy named Travis Kalanick. He was with his friend. They went to Paris, and they attended a tech conference And uh, as they were leaving the tech conference, they started to hail cabs, and they couldn't find a cab. They couldn't get a cab. They couldn't get transportation. And so out of their frustration, they vowed that they were going to fix that problem. And they had a really simple vision. What they wanted to do was press a button and get a car. They wanted to press a button and get a car. Well, two years later, in the summer of 2010, Uber was born. Uber was born out of the frustration that they couldn't get a cab. Um, his mission, according to Vanity Fair article in 2014, was to drastically disrupt what he considered a very broken transportation system. And boy, did he ever disrupt the transportation system. To think you can build a transportation company without buying planes, trains, or automobiles is mind-boggling. They didn't buy a car. They, 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 they went tech on them. They, they went software. They went app on the transportation system, and they considerably disrupted that whole industry. They put millions of people to work, and they literally pioneered an industry called the sharing economy. So much so that when there is a change in the sharing economy, it's referred to as Uberification. Uberification. And the latest valuation that I saw of this transportation juggernaut online that I could find was $66 billion, with a B. Just seven years after they created a company out of their frustration in Paris, they're now worth $66 billion. Somebody say disruption. Now, none of this comes easy. Whenever you disrupt an industry, you're going to create opposition because you're challenging people's paradigms. You're challenging people's perspectives, their ideas. And so whenever you do that, they feel uncomfortable and they feel like they're losing out. And so they're gonna to try to tear you down. Uber had to fight the media, they had to fight government agencies, they had to fight their competition, all because they, people saw their market share rising and their market share shrinking. And so they tried to pull them down. So whenever you disrupt, whenever you create change in an industry, you're gonna cause opposition, you're gonna cause conflict, but you gotta be willing to continue to go. And so transportation will never be the same because of what Uber has done. It's never gonna be the same, it's completely disrupted. Now everyone's trying to catch them. At C3, we've been known to do things a little bit different to what's acceptable in today's seeker-friendly church environment. Not to say that we don't take from other movements, take from other churches, take from other leaders. We do it all the time. We're always going to conferences. We're always taking notes. We're always bringing people in to teach us how to be a better church, how to grow, how to rescue more people from hell and put them into heaven that's our goal and so we so but but we've decided we've been given a mission here to do things a little bit differently and so um we don't really use the current playbook of churches nowadays they told pastor you're going to land when they got here don't build a church uh, on the holy spirit because you're only going to get to maybe 300 people whoops (laughs) missed that one try you know 4500 and growing um We've received some opposition because we challenge the status quo. We are, we are committed to raising our experience to what the Bible says, not lowering our Bible to what our experience is. So we believe in the Bible, and until our experience matches the Bible, we're going to keep on pushing. We're going to keep on going. We're never going to re- uh, reduce our Bible to what we've experienced. So we've got some flack. We've taken some heat. If you read Yelp, we've taken some heat. We talk about money. Oh, my goodness. Don't talk about money. We love it when the world talks about money, when the world talks about how to prosper and how to be successful, but when the church does, oh, no, 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 they just want my money. They just want my money. So we get some flack. We have women preachers, can you imagine? Can you believe that God talks to women? I can't believe it, incredible. But we take flack for that. The power of God, we believe in healings and miracles and deliverance and freedom. We're not afraid to show people how God moves and works. We fear God more than we fear people leaving. We're not politically correct. We'll talk about tough issues. We're transparent. We know that just because we're on a stage doesn't mean we have it all together. We might have a gift to preach. We don't have a gift to be a Christian. And so we all go through things. We all have to battle. We all have to persevere. We all have to write checks and tears like Jeff was saying. We all have to do those things. We all have to. But a few months ago, uh, during our Stars and Stripes series, which was a very not politically correct series, um, I started to ask myself questions and say, hey, you know what? I never want to be so prideful that I can't take, uh, you know, corrective criticism from people that, that, you know, sometimes there are elements of truth in criticism. You know, we never want to be a church that just wants to pick a fight just for pick and fight sake. Uh, we want to stay on our mission, but we don't want to you know, uh, unreasonably offend people or anything like that. We want to speak the truth in love and in grace. So I started to question, like, God, are we doing the right thing? Is this okay? Like, you know, correct me, please, if if we're going down the wrong path. And I really felt uh, the Holy Spirit tell me, you're going on the right path. Stay on this path. You are called to disrupt culture. You are called to disrupt church culture, but you're called to disrupt culture as a church. The church as a whole is called to disrupt. The title of my message is disruption. Because I think that the church at large is called to disrupt the status quo of what's going on in the world. That's why we exist. That's why we're here. And so um, uh, we are a church that is going to continue to push, and gonna continue to drive forward in the mission and the call that God has called us to do despite what the opposition says. Because we are growing, there is fruit, people are getting set free, people are getting healed, people are getting uh, released into their financial goals, into their life, and so we're going to keep going. Isaiah 2, verse 2 and 3 kind of talks about a picture of what the church should look like and kind of talks about the role of the church, and it rocked me a few weeks ago when I read this, so I want to share it with you today. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to kind of break it down. It says this, Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains. That many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and he will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. It's a powerful picture of what the church should look like, so I want to break it down a little bit for you. It says, now it shall come to pass in the latter days. I just want to tell you today that we are in the latter days. We're in the latter days. I'm not saying that Jesus is coming back tomorrow. There was a conference that I went to a few, a few years ago, and uh, one of the speakers at the conference, this was a youth conference, and uh, one of the speakers, there's 5,000 kids there, and the speaker said that Jesus is coming back within the next, like, few months or something. That's what he told all these kids. The funny part was the the leader of the conference was getting up right after that to try to get kids to register for next year. (laughs) So he had to backtrack a little bit, let him know that Jesus probably isn't coming back next year so he can get some pre-regos. So it was pretty funny. We're not, I'm not saying that Jesus is coming back next week, but what I am saying is we are in the last days. Joel 2.28 says, In the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And if you read in, in Acts 2, Jesus poured out his spirit on all flesh in Acts 2. And since then we have been living in the last days. That's not to say that, that uh, he's coming back next week, but it is to say, hey, put, let's, let's turn it up a little bit. There is some urgency in what we're doing here on earth. Next one says, that the mountain of the Lord's house. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house. I love that it describes the Lord's house as a mountain, as a big place, as an expansive thing. A mountain speaks of bigness. A mountain speaks of expansion. A mountain speaks of height. A mountain speaks of authority. It says that, that, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains. So the mountain of the Lord's house, the house of God, the church, shall be established on top of mountains. There shall be a spread of, of the gospel, a spread of churches on the mountains. So it's a, it's a big place. It's an expansive place that is now put on a big place and an expansive place where there's a view, where there's a vision where there's mission, where there's authority. If you talk to a military person, they would tell you that high places are an authoritative place, that if you're gonna go to battle, you wanna take advantage of the high ground because it's an authoritative place. Psalms 104 and 19 says, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. His kingdom rules over. It doesn't rule under, it rules over. So God's, God's gonna establish the church, a big place on a big mountain. In an authoritative place. In Ephesians 1 verse 20, it says this talking about Jesus, that God worked in in Christ when he raised him up from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, which is high above, far above, it says, all principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. God has set Jesus over, not only in this age, but in the age to come. In Ephesians 2, the very next chapter, it talks about how we have been uh, put in Christ, sitting together in Christ, far above principalities and power. And anything with a name in Christ Jesus at the right hand of the Father. You and I are meant to live a life in a high place, in an authoritative place, far above anything with a name, because we have the name of Jesus on our side and we have the Holy Spirit on our side, so we are called to be set high. Many people shall come and say, many people will come and say, now you don't come and say something about something unless it's impacted you unless it's affected you, unless you've loved it. Whenever you go see a movie that you love, someone this morning came and told me about the Shack movie. He said, oh my gosh, you got to go see the Shack movie. He came and he told me about something because it impacted him. So if people are going to come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, the next level. Come, let us go up to the next level, to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. So people are going to come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. If you're going to go up to the mountain of the Lord, that takes effort. You better be excited to get there because if you're going to walk up a mountain, you might sweat a little bit. You might have to drive 30 minutes to church. You might have to put in a little bit of effort to go to the mountain of the Lord. Zechariah says in 822, it says, many peoples and mighty nations will come to seek the Lord. Many people are going to come and say, let us go up to the mountain of the house of God. For, for that to happen, the church has to be different. For that to happen, the church has to have an X factor about it. It has to be excellent. It has to be relevant. It has to be cutting edge. And the edge keeps moving, so we have to keep moving. We have to be forward thinking. The traditional church only appeals to people in church. Ever since I've been at this church, which has been 11 years, I've been hearing about how loud the music is and the lights and the haze and all that kind of stuff. And how, you know, can't we just go back to the old days when you had hymns and when the music was turned down a little bit and there wasn't all this haze stuff? Can not we go back? And listen, I like that stuff too. I grew up in church. I like the hymns. I like all that stuff. But let me just tell you something. We can listen to that stuff at home because no one's gonna come and say to their friends, hey, come up to the house of God. And and they're gonna come into the house of God and read hymns that are very quiet, that only appeal to us at home. We can listen to that stuff at home, but I'm telling you the traditional church will only appeal to people in church. I know that's painful for some people, but I'm telling you we are here to reach the world, not the church. We're here to reach the world, not the church. So worship isn't about us, it's about them. Because we can do whatever we want in our car, at our house but when we come here let's come let's go let's go to business let's go to work we're here to reach the world and we want people to come and tell their friends let's go in to the house of God we need to be cutting edge we need lights media haze we need all that stuff the church must be funded and flourishing for people to invite their friends to the house of God we have vision builders which is coming up in May and, uh, and we have people that have been giving sacrificially every month in, of this year and years past, the last 11 years, so that we can have a building like this. Because we want people to be excited when they come into the house of God. I want it to be an easy invitation for you to say, oh yeah, we took over the 24-hour fitness on Balboa. People are like, what? Well, that's a big church. Wow, you guys must have some cash. God's not broke after all. I've been hearing for years that God's broke, that you have to be poor to be a Christian. You don't have to be that. We want a place that is excellent. We want a place, I can't tell you how many people that have come into this house and said, wow, I never thought church could be like this. This is incredible because it's it's excellent, because it shows that, yeah, you know what? The streets in heaven are made of gold and God doesn't keep it all to himself. He allows the people of God to flourish. The church has to flourish if you want people to say, come up to the house of God. We have to be powerful, full of power. We have to be wonderful, full of wonder. People can't come in here and not feel the power of God. It has to be different than the world. And it has to be the supreme power, not the the fake power that the world offers. Psychics and mediums, that's fake power. That's power, but it's, it's fake power. They need to come into the house of God, and it's powerful. Where They know they can get healed and set free. Miracles, signs and wonders need to happen in the house of God. There has to be a different, it must be different in here than it is out there. How many people like the rain? We even got a clap. I'm not sure I believe any of you. Because I only like the rain between 12 p.m. and 5 a.m. when I'm sleeping. Because as soon as you leave your house when it's raining, it's like bumper to bumper. Even if it's a light mist, bumper to bumper because we're in San Diego, it's bumper to bumper and you're on the freeway and you can't get anywhere and you know, like, you're, if it's windy, your umbrella flows up or whatever, and it's just like, it's a pain. You're getting all wet. Your car is all dirty and everything. Rain is not that exciting to me. But let's just imagine it's raining cats and dogs in San Diego. And I love that. I love that screen that you see every time it rains here when it's like, you know, it's a light mist, and then there's like a branch in the street. And it says, Storm Watch, San Diego. We will rebuild. I like that. But when, but, but when it's raining outside, let's imagine Hurricane Hugo hits San Diego and it's pouring rain outside, but you see a sign on a building that says shelter. And so you walk into the shelter, you close the door behind you, only to find out that there's no roof inside the building. So it's bucketing down rain inside, just like it's bucketing down rain outside. In other words, there's no difference between being outside and being inside. There has to be a difference in the weather, in the temperature, in the food when people walk in the church than if they're outside of the church. There has to be a disruption. As they walk into the church, they need to be disrupted. It needs to be safe for them. It needs to be different. If we're preaching the same thing that the world's preaching, what's the point? If we're just like another motivational speaker or you know, we're, we're politically correct or we're saying the same thing that the world's saying, we're, we're, we're unwilling to confront evil, What's the difference? What's the point? We, t- we call our, our church a, a, a power church, a Holy Spirit-filled church, but if no one's getting healed, eh, what's the point? That's why we got to learn how to get people healed. If we're going to call ourselves that, let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. So we can't be preaching the same thing. There's got to be transformation. There's got to be faith. There's got to be freedom. There's got to be healing. There's got to be connection. There's got to be all of those things. We have to be a prophetic voice. Let's not just talk about what's happening, what's happened, let's talk about what's to come. If if, if we're hearing from heaven, we should be talking about what's to come. We should be a prophetic voice, not just regurgitating what everybody else is already saying. We have to disrupt the status quo. The next part says, he will teach us his ways. Teach us his way, he is the way. Jesus says, I am the truth, Uh, I am the way, the truth and the life, he is the way. Uh, The Bible says in Psalms 103 that Moses knew his ways children of Israel knew his acts, but Moses knew his ways. Moses had a special relationship with God. He knew how God worked. Uh, you and I have access to the ways of God by way of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says his ways are higher than our ways, but we have access to his higher ways. You and I have access to it. When you receive the Holy Spirit, that is God himself, in you, with him comes the mind of Christ. With him comes the mind. So you have access. You have access. First John 2.20, this will rock you. It says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. He's talking about you. Verse 27, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. The reason it says you don't need anyone teaching you is because you have the Holy Spirit that can teach you. doesn't mean we don't come to church and learn and go and do all those things, but you have access. You have access to everything. You have access and we shall walk in his paths. The Bible says his paths drip with abundance. Jesus came to give you life and life more abundant. When you learn his ways, you begin to walk in his paths, and his paths drip with abundance. That doesn't just talk about your fine, I'm talking about your whole life. The way of the the righteous winds upward, the Bible says. Your whole life should be flourishing, your whole life should be abundant, not all the time. We're gonna face things, we're gonna do, do things, but if you're on his paths, I'm telling you, they drip with abundance. For out of Zion shall go forth the law. Out of Zion, out of the people of God shall go forth the law. The reason that we have Pathfinders is because we want to invade every sphere of culture. I'm talking about business. I'm talking about government. I'm talking about arts and entertainment, media, business, health, medicine. We want to invade every sphere, media of culture, so that we can be the one dictating what's happening. We should be the ones dictating. Christians need to rise up and begin to dictate what's We need Christians making curriculum and education, Christians making the laws of the land. Not the world. That's what we got to be doing. We're the influencers. We, we're the influencers. The law should be coming out of the house of God. I'm so sick of he, of having to tell business people that we run our church like a business. The reason I have to tell business people that we run our church like a business is because the perception of the church is that we're flaky, we're uneducated, we can't handle money, we're unorganized. unorganized. So when I say we run our church like a business, that brings comfort to business people because they can can get with that. Well, but there's a shift happening. The shift is that business people are gonna start coming to the church to ask how they should do their business. Because the church is filled with the word of God, infinite wisdom. And it's already happening. Some of the greatest organizations, some of the biggest organizations in the world are church organizations. Some of the greatest leaders in the world are church leaders. I'm not just talking about pastors. I'm talking about leaders. I'm talking about people that have submitted themselves to the teaching of the, of the Bible and the word of God in the church that are now making a difference in the marketplace. I have a company part-time. I'm here full-time, but I have a company part-time with Brad McQuarrie. It's a digital marketing company. We have 10 uh, employees in San Diego. Let me tell you, we run our business like the church runs business we run our business like the church and let me just tell you some of the comments that we get from our employees that they've never experienced a business like we have they've never been loved like they've they've never felt valued like they've never seen the integrity that we they've never seen generosity like they I'm telling you those aren't my words those are their words why because we run our business like the church runs the business I grew up in the house of God Brad is is committed to to doing a business like like Jesus would do it would want us to do it that's what's happening and, that's, and that is the trend. Elise Boggs is a, a, a professor of leadership. She works with companies all over San Diego. And she says the church has an advantage today in the marketplace. She said because for so long, um, the church has been dealing with people, their identity, how they, how they react emotionally, emotional intelligence, the, the awareness of your emotions and how they cause you to react. That's something that she teaches and that she's wanted for all over San Diego, But she says the church has the advantage because we've been doing it for years. And if you read any magazines or any forecasts in business, they will say that people are the future of business not technology, people. Because we've become a tech age, we've all, we're all you know, hiding behind our computers and our social media. We don't call anybody, we just direct message people. You know, we don't go meet somebody for coffee, we just text people. So people have a lack of the ability to communicate and to manage their emotions. But I'm telling you, the church has an advantage in this area. Right now, there are, there are companies and businesses asking church leaders to come and teach them how to deal with people. Elise Bog says she just goes in and tells them what she's learned in church. And they're like, wow, <laughs> they're blown away. They're blown away. That's why we need marketplace people. We, we need it. And, uh, and, and there's a shift happening. There's a disruption happening in that area. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, there's nothing like the word of God. From the beginning. When the earth was formless and void and darkness covered the earth, God stepped out and said, let there be light and order and light came. There's nothing like the word of God. We have to be people that not only speak the word, but act the word. Not only preach the word, but, but, but the word is seen through our actions. There's nothing like the word of God. The word, it was the word that became flesh and saved the world. When the world was chaotic, Jesus came. The Bible calls him the word. God sent the word to, to, to save a nation to save a world. There's nothing like the word of God. We have to be people that aren't ashamed of the word of God. We have to be able to speak the word of God into our, into our lives, into our families, and into the marketplace in not a weird way. The word is not just words. This book is not just words written on a piece of paper from a pen of a prophet thousands of years ago. It's backed by the blood of Jesus. It's backed by the blood of Jesus that was spilt when his hands were nailed to the cross 2,000 years ago. It's powerful. It's not just words written on a piece of paper. And we're not just called to speak the word to people. We're called to declare the word to the principalities and the powers that are over our area. Ephesians 3:10 says this this is powerful it says to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and the powers in heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is the job of the church to declare to the principalities and the powers that they've been defeated, that they've been disarmed by Jesus Christ, and to release the people of God to flourish and uh, and to chase the dreams and the visions that God has called them to do. We have to be able to confront principalities and powers from the high place of the mountain of God. So we see this picture of the church, and we see that we have to have excellence, and we see that excellence will actually draw excellence, that crowds will bring crowds, but every great company has a two-pronged approach. They have to make their internal systems better, and they have to have a strategy to go get new business. So we as a church have to be excellent within our church, but we also have have to have a strategy to go out into the world. Because that's who we're reaching. There's going to be people that are going to come around. They're going to see what we're doing here. There's going to be people that are going to be healed. Just like in the Bible, somebody would get healed, the whole city would get saved. So there's going to be, there's going to be a buzz about what's happening at C3 San Diego. But we can't be content with that. We have to do that, but then we have to go. We have to go out. We have to go out and preach the gospel. We cannot be ashamed of the gospel and the power of Jesus Christ. Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed, this is Paul, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. We cannot be ashamed to preach the gospel because there's power in the gospel. But we have to go out and do it. The first two letters of gospel is Go. We got to go. Ezekiel 47, 1 and 2, it talks about the church spilling out into society. It says, then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water. Flowing from under the threshold of the temple of the church toward the east. For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. Verse 7. When I returned there along the bank of the river, there were very many trees on one side and the other. And then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the rivers go will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish. Why? Because these waters go there. For they will be healed and everything will live wherever the river goes. It's an awesome picture of the church, the temple and water spilling out from underneath the doors of the church into culture, into society. That the mountains of God, that the house of God that is up on the mountains, the water spilling down into the valleys and all throughout culture and all throughout society. Every sphere of society getting touched by the living water of God. And wherever the water goes, healing comes and life comes. John 7, 38 It says, he who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit. You and I are carriers of the spirit of God. And out of us will come rivers of flowing water, living water. And wherever that water goes, we have to believe God that healing and that life is going to come and touch, that's why we gotta go, that's why we gotta go, we gotta spill out into our colleges, we gotta spill out into our high schools, We gotta spill out into our elementary schools, into our junior highs, into our businesses, onto the athletic fields. We gotta spill out everywhere, believing that healing and the power of God is gonna come and be able to preach the gospel with our mouths and with our actions. And wherever we go, wherever the river of God goes, life is gonna go with it. We have to be a true representative of Jesus Christ wherever we go. And that essentially means just bring life. Don't always be the one bringing people down in your office or in your family. Be the one that brings life. The other day, uh, someone introduced me to someone else in our office, and I'm only in there once, once a week, so I, didn't, I never even met this girl. And then uh, they said, hell, have you met this girl? I forget her name. And, and, uh, <laughs> and, she, and I, said, uh, I said, no. And, and she goes, no, I haven't met him, but I always just see him smiling. I always just see life around him is what she was saying. She didn't know. I didn't even know she ever saw, saw me, but she just saw me because there was, you know, and she realized that I was smiling and I was happy. We, we don't really always have the luxury to have bad days. You might be the only Jesus somebody sees. You might be it, and if they see you down and depressed and, you know, uh, when something, you know, when you face a circumstance that you're depressed just like they would be, then what's the difference? But you have living water on the inside of you. If you're depressed, say I am joyful in the name of Jesus. Say I am blessed. There's something about, not, it's not being fake. The Bible says call those things that aren't as though they are. Start to declare that you're you know, not depressed and that you're happy and that you're joyful. And the easiest way to invade our society is to take responsibility for our cities and our nations. To answer the questions that they are asking. To fix the problems that they are facing. To fill the needs that they are desiring. In simple, we need to serve our city. We need to serve other people. Jesus came to serve. That's how he invaded culture. He came to serve, and that's what we need to do. I love love the uh, Dream Center philosophy. Find a need and meet it. Find a hurt and heal it. It's a simple philosophy, but it's allowed them to grow and, and rescue people from sex, slavery, and off drugs, and all this kind of stuff, because they just find a need and they meet it. They find a hurt and they heal it. And we have to go out understanding that there is healing there is life on the inside of us, rivers of living water. Go coach a team. I coach my kids' team, number one, because I want to spend time with my kids. But number two is because I want to meet people that don't go here. I want to meet people that don't know Jesus. And I want to touch their life with, with the life of God, be it just being a positive reinforcement person. I encourage the crap out of my assistant coach and my team moms. They're probably like, who is this weirdo? But go coach a team. Go, go, go get on a school board, go run for office, go support someone running for office, go volunteer, fund those making a difference, mentor a child, serve on a team here, we reach people every week. If you're not, a team, not on a team here at C3, we want you to join a team. Get to the grow classes, get to the surf class. Come on, let's join a team, let's go. We got a city to reach here in San Diego. Start a connect group, do what you gotta do. Get in front of people. We are carriers of the spirit of God. We need to be in front of people that don't know Jesus because they will see something different. Before you know it, they'll be coming and saying, let us go up to the house of God. Let us go up to the mountain of the house of God and let's see, let's start to learn his ways and walk in his paths. Staying away from the world is an Old Testament mindset. It's an Old Testament mindset. In the Old Testament, they wouldn't go near lepers or the unclean for fear that the the filth and the disease would get on them. That's not New Testament Christianity. New Testament Christianity is Jesus going up and touching a leper and healing and then telling us to go lay hands on the sick and see him recover. We can't be scared that we're going to be infected by the world. We have to be confident that it is our job to infect the world. That is our job. So we need to go out and lay hands on the sick people. We need to go out and not be infected by the world, but infect the world with hope, with healing, with laughter, with joy, with power, with truth, with freedom. That is our job. Speak the word. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. There was a song that was written about three years ago by somebody, and uh, I don't remember the name of the song or the artist. But I remember what the song was about. The song was basically about this. It was this guy, and he's crying out to God. He's saying, God, the world is a mess. There's poverty everywhere. There's poverty everywhere. People are dying. Why don't you do something, God? And in the song, God answers this man, and he says, I have done something. I've created you. I've created you. God sees that there's a mess in the world. He sees that there's calamity. But he's already provided the solution, and the answer is you. The answer is me. It's our job to carry the spirit of living water into the earth, down into the valleys, wherever you go. Your handshake might change somebody's life. I'm telling you, there's not a waitress or waiter in San Diego that hasn't been invited to church by my wife if we're there. We encourage her. We love on them and they always get an invitation to church. Some of them have come. But you know what, they have a good uh, perception of the church and church people because of the way we treat them. We can be doing that all over San Diego, all over San Diego. You're the answer, I'm the answer. The church is the answer. Let's go influence the world, amen? Amen, why don't you close your eyes and bow your heads. God, I thank you for your word. You're an awesome God. God, help us to not just be a church that impresses other church people. Help us be a church that draws the likes of the people in the world, people that maybe have never seen you, maybe people that have a bad perception of you. Let there be a disruption in San Diego by the people of C3. Help us bring life and healing to those that are in need. Help us be the influencers, not the influencees. Help us be excellent. Help us be generous. Help us be powerful. If you're here today and you've never given your life to God, maybe you've never surrendered your life or asked Jesus into your life. I wanna give you an opportunity this morning or maybe one time you did, but you've taken your life back. Things got busy. Things got tough and you kind of turned your back a little bit on God. But today you're saying, you know what, I want to rededicate myself. I want to be a carrier of living water into the world. I want to give you that opportunity. So if you're one of those two people, maybe you've never even met Jesus before. Maybe one time you did, but you took in your life back. Today you're saying, you know what, today is my day. I want you, while every eye is closed and head bowed, just raise your hand right where you are so that I can pray with you. God bless you, sir. I see that hand back there. God bless you over to my right. I see that hand. God bless you right here in the front. So proud of you. God bless you back there. Over to my left, young lady, I see that hand. God wants to use you wherever you are. Wherever you are. In just a moment, we're going to pray a prayer, 20-second prayer. And the Holy Spirit, God himself, is going to come into your life. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Today is your day. God bless you. I see that hand back there. If you're online right now, you can even lift your hand. Make a decision that you're going to be a carrier of the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit can touch you in your home, on your couch, in your bed. Is there anybody else in here? Is there one more person? God bless you. I see that hand over there. Awesome. Awesome. So proud of you all. You can look up here. There were quite a few of you that raised your hand, and uh, I do want to pray with you. Um, What I'd love for you to do, since there were so many of you, if you would do me one favor, if you would come out of your seat, we're all gonna stand up, clap, cheer. The band's gonna sing a song pretty soon and uh, the worship team. And uh, so while you're coming down to the front, we're all gonna clap and cheer. And I just wanna pray a simple prayer with you. And the Holy Spirit, God himself, is gonna come and live on the inside of you. So why don't we stand to our feet? If that was you and you raised your hand, would you do me a favor and come down front so I can pray with you? You can bring your friends, bring your family, it's alright, come on down. a few more of you, come on down. All right. Well, hey, if you didn't come down and you thought you should come down, that's okay. God can touch you in your seat. If you're online, I want you to pray this prayer with me as well. Just say this, and the whole congregation is going to repeat after me. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on a cross for my sins. Lord Jesus, today, help me live a life that glorifies you. Help me be a carrier of living water. I declare today that I am saved, that heaven is my home and God is my Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give them a clap. Angels are rejoicing in heaven. All right, if you guys would just do one more thing for me. We have a response lounge right there, and you have some great people behind you. Um, We just want to give you a Bible. We want to give you a book, talk about the next steps, and explain to you if you have any questions about the decision that you've just made. We'd love to answer those questions. So can you just go over there for two minutes? They'll just keep you for two minutes, and then you'll come on back. So why don't you guys go over there, the response lounge. Come on, give them a hand. Amen, amen. Come on, heaven's rejoicing. Amen. Well, let me just pray for you on the way out. Why don't you just lift your hands. Father, I thank you for the power of God. Lord, I thank you for the Holy Spirit, rivers of living water. God, that is in all of us. Father, help us to invade culture, help us to disrupt the status quo in our businesses, in our families, on the athletic field, in our colleges, high schools, elementary schools. Father, help us be the church. Help us be the representatives of Jesus Christ to our city, God. Help us to take responsibility for the issues and the problems and the desires and the needs, God. Lord, empower the people of God. Empower the people of C3 San Diego to be bold to preach the gospel and to act the the gospel in Jesus mighty name the church said amen